que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 22 for Sunday, September 29th, 2013. I'm John Younger. And I'm Nelson DeWitt. And today we're going to talk about the Advocate Experience program that we're initiating, as well as follow up on our podcast from last week and talk a little more in depth about a couple of the resources and topics we came across. Yeah, we felt like... Well, actually, we, we got a comment from my mother, who's our most avid listener. Hi, Mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Hello, uh, Margaret. And she was just uh, sort of issuing a, or, or wanted us to be aware of a correction or some criticism that this particular article that we used has received in the media, and we'll kind of talk about that. We realized after listening to the podcast that we didn't make it clear why this Henry Kissinger film was so important. And so there, there is a reason for this. And uh, so, so this is kind of a mishmash episode. So Nelson, would you like to share with people a little bit about the Advocate Experience? Absolutely, John. Thank you for bringing it up. The Advocate Experience is something that we've been trying to put together for a couple of weeks now. It is a way for you to get involved with the film. And we're looking for a handful of people, maybe around 10. And what you will get is you'll get to see the film as we work on it in development. You'll get uh, weekly updates about where we are in our thought process and uh, you know behind the scenes material that won't be in the film and some other surprises along the way. So. There's going to be a link on the website coming up soon, and and the thought is to uh, open up applications on October 1st and then have that go run for about two weeks, right, Nelson? Yep. So if this is something you're interested in, don't wait to, to apply. Uh, we're going to start very small. We're going to try and open it up again a little bit later, and honestly, I think we're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to try and make this something very special for a few uh, lucky people. Go apply, check out the page, let us know what you think, all that good stuff. And uh, no, I'm I'm super excited about it. And I think it's going to be something really special for the film. Excellent. Should we now segue into into what your, your mother Margaret had called to our attention? Sure. My mother pointed there's, us. There's, there's, oh. I'll start by saying there's criticisms of all three of the things that we uh, we brought to people's attention last week of uh, the Innocent Voices documentary. There's a lot of criticism that it, you know it wasn't filmed in El Salvador. It was filmed in Mexico, and you know the the accents are are not as authentic. A lot of that has to do with it may not have been safe to film it in El Salvador at the time, but but it's a fair criticism and. Um, there's criticisms of the trial of Henry Kissinger documentary, an original book, that it's very one-sided. And then also, your mother had pointed out, this American Life um, piece about Dos Aires in Guatemala won a big award. It won a Peabody Award recently. And so she had pointed out some criticism. Do you want to share that with us, Nelson? Yeah, what she re- pointed us to was the fact that in the in the NPR piece, they did not highlight the U.S. involvement in Guatemala. It was actually an interesting sort of criticism for me because I felt like it strengthened 
the reason that we brought that article up in the podcast. So it wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. detracting from anything that we talked about last week, but it is an interesting and probably important criticism. The actual criticism was, uh, it may have come from other places too, but one I've found is from North American Congress on Latin America. I'll, I'll give a direct quote. Glass and his producers edited out essential lines of inquiry and concealed a key aspect of the bloodshed and in its import for U.S. listeners. Washington's continuous support of the Guatemalan security forces, including the Cabalis, I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly, at Doceres, but the, the actual army unit that committed the massacre, as they killed tens of thousands of largely indigenous civilians in 1982 alone. Moreover, by distorting the historical record, Glass performed an impressive feat of propaganda. He sensitively related Guatemalan victims' harrowing personal stories while implying that the only fault of the United States was that it had simply not done enough to help them. So they basically say this story was a whitewash because it completely doesn't address the U.S. involvement um, and makes it like, oh, the fault is just that we should be helping them more now. And then when, in fact, the U.S. was a major backer of the military regime that was committing the atrocities. That's the criticism. And that's interesting to me because the U.S. was so involved in backing this uh, army unit that contributed, that well, was specifically in backing the army and in backing the through, army and then, yeah. you know, by the association running the country. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, the reason that we brought that up last week was because we wanted to highlight the effect of U.S. policy in these different countries kind of on the ground, you know, and the or the atrocities that were happening in in the different countries in Latin America at that time. So that's, you know, that article and that piece by uh, this American Life and ProPublica demonstrates very well what was going on mm -hmm. in these different countries. And I think that's a valid criticism, but I also feel like it was still an important article. Well, aren't Go you going to get criticism anyway? I mean, like you... Well, would... I mean, if I read the text of this criticism, you know, it says, Glass and his producers edited out essential lines of inquiry and concealed a key aspect of the bloodshed. So they're accusing them of, of, it sounds like, deliberately removing pieces, you know, that wouldn't be as palatable to an American audience. Um, that's, a, that's a strong criticism. That's a strong accusation. That's not just saying, oh, the focus of the article wasn't this. It's saying they edited it out. I think it's not there, that's for certain. As to whether or not it was edited out, that's... That's a different I'd kind of... I'd have to research yeah. it further to speak to it, but but it isn't there, you know? Yeah, um, which I think things... is... Which is what I think is the most important part about that criticism, is that it's mm -hmm. not there, and that whether it was taken out or not, you know, I mean, we, we may not know, but... Probably it, it had to have been addressed in meetings and discussed. And it, yeah, probably, and, and that's an editorial correct. decision and something that I think we are going to face at, at some point. And, you know, the, it, the sort of... It probably of... is... Sorry, I'm interrupting a lot. Go ahead. It's probably important, you know, if it's going to win a Peabody Award, that might be something that's disqualifying. It Probably it should be. However, I still felt like it was an amazing article. And I guess may, maybe I overlooked that aspect because I'm well aware of it and I find other places to explore that part of the question 
about the U.S. involvement. Yeah. So for you, even if they omitted that information, you still feel like the article is that important? It's a very important article, and there should be further discussion about the information they omitted, but there should also be further discussion about what, what they included. And how much do you think is, maybe it's their editorial, um, what am I trying to say? It's a deliberate decision? Well, yes and no. I mean, how much do you think is this an editorial decision where they're trying to tell a story or provide information in a certain way that the audience is going to receive it versus something that they just, you know, uh, uh, I'm not stating this very well at all. <laughs> I think I, I know where you're going. Um, with, I think that well, I, I don't know how to judge them on it, other, other than to say that it's not there and it should be. It, it, it should be. <laughs> but it does open up a whole can of worms because then you start debating the Cold War and, and, uh, I don't, and whether or not the, the intervention was justified. And it, it does become a, a different article with, with more weight on these these overarching questions, but uh, but you, you certainly could address the U.S. involvement and just and, and acknowledge it, and I, I don't think it's something they did to the extent that was necessary. I think that's a good way to, to sum it up because it, it you you make an excellent point that you know how much information is too much, and you can go off onto these you know very detailed. Um, tangents, or not even tangents, but uh, plot lines, right? About mm -hmm. the Cold War and the U.S. involvement, and uh, what that meant for the military, and you know what our responsibility is now, and all these different things. But then that starts to overshadow the story, which is of this the guy whose world got turned upside down and was reunited with his uh, father, and who was the subject of this. Investigation. And it's also a story about Dos Aires and, yep. and, and what uh, happened. And what right. happened there. Literally, what happened there. Yeah. They they didn't give the full context clearly. It goes it goes well to something we struggle with with our documentary, right? Which is we'd like to give full context to all the actors involved. And yet at the same time, like the first piece that we're working on, I don't think we're gonna do that in any way, shape, or form. Really we're gonna focus on the disappeared children and the origins of your story. And we're not going to get into, in great detail, the role the FMLN played, the role the U.S. played. Those are big subjects. And there's a lot of elephants in the room that we're going to focus on in future episodes. And in this episode, it's we really want the story to be about you telling things how you experienced it and giving context for the other disappeared children and how they were affected by the war. And yet, in the example of American involvement, there's an important uh, storyline there that I don't even think it'll get mentioned in the first one at all. But it is something that's important and, and worthy of discussion, and we intend to further discuss. I think we're taking this documentary in chunks and, and trying to make the story simpler to understand by saying, okay, first, you're going to understand this human element of what it's like to be one of disappeared children. Second, Maybe we'll, we'll, I don't know if we'll first look at it from your birth father's perspective or from your 
adoptive parents' perspective. They're all your parents, and we have to make these distinctions so that people understand who we're talking about. But, you know, like, I don't know which one we'll go to next, but they each speak to some important parts of how this happened, right? right. Well, maybe we could talk a little bit about what that particular elephant in the room is and, you know, what we're, we're not going to talk about and how it relates back to this. Link it back to the documentary and, and right. what we talked about last week. Yeah. So okay. I, I, I'll take a stab at it. And I think okay. what, what okay. we're trying to say is that, um, you know, this, the U.S. involvement in Latin America was a big deal. And it's a difficult subject. There are many difficult subjects in this film, as well it's, as it's you know. it's uh, your your birth parents were on literally fighting with guns against the side that the U.S. was taking, right? Right. And so the the challenge that we face is telling this human story, and then also getting into these different sides of history and all the you know the back stories and everything that led up to this the the kissinger why we why we spend half the thing talking about a documentary about kissinger and we don't tie him to the war in el salvador because we had a reason for that and i don't and i think it's sort of the elephant in the room that we didn't discuss right right and partially that's because so much of our focus is is on understanding this human element that you've experienced and it's hard and scary to discuss this stuff honestly and 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 we don't want to get it wrong, and we don't want it to dominate the conversation, but let's be clear about it, right? Right. And I guess we can fill in that gap and, and sort of the link, the reason that the Kissinger documentary was important to us is because of the connection between Henry Kissinger, uh, John Negroponte, and my adoption. Yes. Right? So there it is succinctly. That's That's the reason. And to kind of fill that in. So we have... Um, and this is something that's out there. Your mother is described yeah. in detail in her book, but we, yeah. you know, it's not something we have a lot of conversations about. Right. And um, the this is actually something that you kind of shared with me. And the, what I've said repeatedly to you is like, I really didn't know a lot of this history growing up. That I, mm -hmm. when I met my parents, I met them as just people that I'd been separated at. From. And through the course of my mother's book, this project, I started to learn more about the U.S. involvement. So I think people might assume that I know everything about the history because I'm, you know, kind of this main character in the film and this is my life. But I'm learning about this just as much as maybe some of our audience members are. Mm -hmm. your, so, your experience to date has been more of forming a relationship with your dad or your siblings or your cousins and aunts and uncles. Right. As opposed to critiquing Reagan foreign policy from 1981 to 1986 or something, right? Correct. Right. Okay. And so this tie uh, between the Kissinger documentary film and our film and and everything is that during your life, uh, my yeah. life, right, yeah. <laughs> is that during the Vietnam War, John Negroponte was uh, the understudy to Henry Kissinger. Yeah. One of his top aides. One of his yeah. top aides. Okay. And you can almost draw a line from the, the policies that were formed in Vietnam to the policies that were used in El Salvador and then, you know, continuing on into Iraq and so on and so forth. But 
Part you well, know, you know, yeah, I, that's, it, a, it, that's a big. We, well, I, well, I mean, w there's been talk of the Salvadoran solution that's been used in Iraq, and and I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, we're not trying. Yeah, uh, Dick Cheney proposed that that's what we needed to do. You're right. Right. Uh, absolutely. So, okay. so, so we're not, you know, uh, this is obviously kind of touchy ground, but we're just trying to explain it the way that we are trying to understand it and put together some of these pieces. So mm -hmm. this is obviously stuff. So, well, that, how were you adopted just for people that haven't read your mom's book? What, what is the tie into the Negropontes? Yeah. So John Negroponte's wife was the key person Diana in my adoption. Negroponte. Diana Negroponte. Yes. She was the key person in my adoption. She helped my parents find a lawyer, a place to stay in Honduras, um, they used the same social worker that uh, uh, the Negropontes did. And uh, so there's this very close connection to the Negropontes in my adoption. And she, she facilitated a lot of the, you know, got you tied up with Ted Kennedy, right? Or mm -hmm. was that on your well, end? They, they helped. helped facilitate. Yeah. They, they, uh, made, they made the adoption possible, you know, they, right? Pretty much, right. Yeah, and, and also initiated it, I, th I think. Is yes. Well, sort of, I think. That, I think that side is a little shake is unknown. Okay. Just that, uh, for whatever reason, the Negropontes turned to their social worker to try and get me adopted. And that social worker knew someone in Auburndale who, you know, was working with my parents. And that's how, like, so it was this very roundabout connection. And and you even had your you and your mom had tea with Diana Negroponte and and one of their children when your parents were there to adopt you. Right. And and the flip side of that is that John Negroponte worked very closely with what was Honduras's strongman, General Alvarez, who um, oversaw who you know, who created um, the security force that conducted the raid that resulted in you and your mother's disappearance. So there's a dichotomy there, right? Or right. It's something that my mother was very careful about the way she talked about it in the book because it's impossible to make these connections and to say this person is responsible for that and you wouldn't want to. But I think the thing that we are trying to get people to think about is simply, isn't it interesting that all these people were sort of in the same room at the time, right? That yeah, and this police force that, you know, your mother kidnapped somebody, you know, and obviously a police force would try and solve a kidnapping, but it's not so cut and dry. I mean, this police force was General Alvarez, who was who was somebody John Negroponte worked very closely with. He was the top military figure in the country, and he committed a lot of uh, human rights violations. And the police force he initiated came to be known as a death squad later on. And um, it went from being called FUSEP to Battalion 316. And this is, you know, a lot of the members went to jail for making people disappear. And, and they were trained by General Alvarez invited the Argentinian military to do the training. And the Argentinian military had also a history of making people disappear and a lot of crimes that are now big public trials, you know, 30 or 40 years later, um, that country is still coming to terms with. So there's that. And the other side also is that there's also, you know, a whole other side that we're not going to get into, which is 
the FMLN and, and some of the internal conflict there and some of how your family was involved with um, or experienced that internal conflict, which is another huge elephant in the room, which was not addressed in the Kissinger documentary and we're not, we're not going there at this time. All right. But anyway. All right. So, so let's, it, it exists. And at some point yeah. it's, it's part of our activities. So, you know, th this stuff is, is very complicated and I hope it hasn't been too confusing for, the listeners at home and I think this is part of the reason why it's so hard to tell this story because it's not as simple as boy gets lost to family boy reunites with family and then you know every everything's happy there's all this other stuff that happened when you start to peel back the layers and so some of the challenge that we face as storytellers is trying to paint this picture in a way that connects with the audience, but also is historically accurate. And so let, let's try and tie this whole episode together. And I have a, a question for you, John, which is simply, we have these big elephants in the room. And the other constraint is storytelling and keeping people engaged. So where do you draw the line between leaving stuff out to make it easier to digest versus leaving stuff out because it's, you know, you're purposely don't want to talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. how, how do you view those two different ideas? Um, I, I read a, a, a book in college by Chenwa Achebe, who died like last year. Um, very famous African author, and it's called Things Fall Apart. And I remember two-thirds of the book It is about a pre-contact society like in Africa and all of a sudden the this group of explorers comes in and and this uh, society is devastated by disease and and fighting and, and things I mean I read this probably 20 years ago but but basically two-thirds the point I want to make is two-thirds of the book is about the society pre-contact and and what this this place is like and how the people live and then one-third of the book is how it just gets decimated and I remember I walked into, I was a freshman in college, I walked into class and I'm like, well, why, why is two-thirds of the book about something that I, I mean, I've, I'll admit it, like, 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 not that I don't care about, but it seems like they missed the point. And the teacher is like, no, that's exactly the point. That wasn't, isn't this, this place, these people, valuable unto their own right in irrespective of, of what happened and and uh, and I, I'm still remember you know it's a little like seeing you and Derek holding hands it's one of the, it's one of these little moments I just held with me for a long time and informed informed uh, my thoughts so I feel like the first piece of this film we're not omitting but what's most important in this first episode to me is is that you get how you experienced it and what it feels like period and we don't need to get into who's responsible for what until we understand a little more about your experience, right? Right. Um, that's like that's the most important thing. And uh, I don't want anything to detract or, or distract from that until we understand that better. In and of wow. itself, that's something that's been neglected for more than 30 years. These voices need to be heard, and they need to be heard first and foremost. And that's that's what I think is the most important, and that's what we're going to spend the initial time on. And then after that, I, I would hope that in terms of storytelling, people find it relatable and find it something they want to learn more about. And then we'll take the opportunity to uh, 
to get into some of these other issues about causation. That Did I ramble to too much? No, that sounds good to me. I, I mean, yeah, you, you're trying to say that you have to be invested in the people and their experiences before you can really jump into this complicated background history and all that. And, you know, just like any other film documentary or otherwise, they spend a lot of time on character development, on, you know, introducing you to people and what their life is like before they get into all the, the plot twists. And I think that that is something we have to do, even though we, we'd love to say from the very beginning, this is the situation and, and this is why it happened. But not only is it in terms of storytelling, I believe that this is the most important part of the story to tell, is the human element. Is, you know, it's, the mo it's been the most important to you through your life. It's, it's what you own, and it, should come, it deserves to come before all the other stuff. You know, that's the way the story should be told. So not that there aren't these other elephants in the room, and not that we're trying to ignore them, although they are, they're hard to talk about, and it's, it, there's a lot of complexities that are, that are hard to distill, but that your experience of your discovery of your disappearance and of this whole community of people that disappeared is the most important thing, period. Yeah. All right. That is where we're going to leave it this week. Be sure to tune in, as always, next Sunday, where we are going to share something else having to do with this film. We'll figure that out very shortly. I, I think we're going to try and have some more interviews and get some other voices in here. Uh, you know, but I on it, I, I like these kind of podcasts because it gives us a chance to share with you what we kind of talk about offline. Anyway, check out the Advocate Experience. That's inbarfilm.com slash TAE for the Advocate Experience. And if it's interesting to you, be sure to sign up. Remember, we're only keeping that open until the 14th of October. So don't wait. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Cue the music. <laughs> we got to get a new end line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>